is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 560, recorded Monday, November the 15th, 2021. Five, nice. 560. I feel like uh, that's a that fun number. It seems like a high number. <laughs> it is a high number. Yeah. Uh, every time I type it in, to for whatever reason, it's uh, it always kind of blows me away. I'm like, 560? How can that be? It's it's it really is quite incredible. How can that be? We've done this many shows over twelve years, but that's the thing, Jason. Twelve years. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's there's podcasts out there that I listen to that I've been listening to for a decade, and they're not quite as high. Like Film Sack, <laughs> for example, is like five thirty six or something like that. Yeah. So it's just uh, you know, it's like geez, I've been listening to you guys for a decade, and. Uh, Fuck, we still have we still have more episodes than them. That's crazy. Yeah, and we still got some more to go, including this one. So uh, that's the thing. It's pretty pretty exciting. Number five sixty. Well, um, we are going to talk about two episodes of Walking Dead universe related shows this week: Fear and World Beyond. Uh, but first, I think if you remember last week, Jason, I I made mention that uh, I was having some trouble with AMC Plus, but I didn't want to talk about it because we had a lot to do that Mm -hmm. episode and it turned out to be a really long one. So I'm glad I I put that on hold. But I've gotten a couple of emails in the meantime from listeners complaining about AMC Plus and the problems and things like that. So uh, I did want to just mention it again here before we really get going. The problem I was having is that although I pay for AMC Plus, a subscription Mm -hmm. fee, I was unable to watch many of the episodes of mostly World Beyond. Fear was kind of okay, although I think I did have trouble with Fear early on. But then World Beyond was the big problem. And what would happen is you'd go, you'd navigate to the episode and you'd You'd select it, and then it would say, you can buy this for $2.49 or $2.99. Oh, fuck you, right in the face. Uh, that's horrible. <laughs> it seems like a scam. It does. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't feel that extreme about it, but, you know, uh, yeah, it was kind of annoying and uh, frustrating, really, because it's like, what am I paying you for? And I know it was an error. It was a mistake. I did some Googling, found a lot of information on the internet about you know, other people having the same problems. And as I said, some listeners emailed in and said they were having problems. It wasn't, it was, seemed to be pretty widespread. Like I signed up through Apple TV plus one of the channels, but Mm -hmm. people who signed up through uh, Amazon prime had the same issues. I don't know if any direct subscribers had the problems, but anyways, through the third parties, it was, it was an issue. And people who contacted AMC, we're getting answers like, yeah, we're working on it, should be done and it should be fixed in a day or two. You know, it's a database issue <laughs> was one of the excuses. Right. And then it went on and on and on. And so for like two or three weeks there, it was just frustrating and annoying. But I am happy to report that in the last, I don't know, four or five days, it seems like they've got their shit together and everything is working now. All right. Shit gathered. Everything good. Yep. That's good. So it was annoying and I thought about canceling, but 
then I'm like, well, if they do get this sorted out, I'm probably just going to sign up again. So I'll just try to ride it through and see if I can deal with it. But here we are, everyone. If you still are out there and you're having trouble with your AMC Plus, uh, check again because it might be fixed. I, I don't know if it's universally solved this problem, but uh, it is for me, at least for now. So uh, although it was annoying, we can now move on and hopefully it'll be okay. Yeah, and I'm a little bit concerned uh, about, like, I didn't sign up for AMC, AMC Plus, and I bought both uh, World Beyond and Fear, the most recent seasons, on iTunes, as I am usually to do. Yep. Uh, but the problem now I'm finding out is, uh, Jesus H, freaking Harold Christ on a crutch, it's really <laughs> difficult to watch two episodes of The Walking Dead on a Monday before we do the podcast. It's uh, it's stressful for me. It's just like, okay, I got to find time to watch the episode. I can't just, you know, throw it on while I'm working like I do with Law and Order or any of the other myriad of shows that I watch. I need to pay attention, right? Right. I need, I need to know the plot points, yeah. generally speaking. So uh, finding the time was... Uh, it was a challenge today, and, and my we, son was homesick, so there oh. was uh, there was that, and I'm feel not feeling great as well. So uh, I got it done, but I'm thinking maybe AMC Plus is the way to go because then I could just watch it, a, you know, a few days ahead of time. It it does give you the week ahead of time. That's the main thing, right? The episodes come out a week early, so it really makes finding time to watch stuff easier. That's for sure when it works, and I hope it continues to work. Yeah, and it's too late now. I already bought the episodes on iTunes, right? I'm not going to double dip. I'm not going to pay twice just to watch them. I mean, right? I so. think there's a free trial. You could get a free month and then cancel. I mean, we have only three left, so uh, it would work out <sighs> for you. But Jason, Jason, don't cancel. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's nice to it's a it's a nice thought and everything, but yeah. uh, I'm paying for services that I haven't used in a long time. It's like joining the gym, right? You join the gym, you're like, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm going to pay the gym every two weeks now because that's the way they do things now uh instead of paying monthly that's crazy that's dumb they're waste they're losing money if you just pay monthly you pay every two weeks and you, you sign up for two years because it's cheaper and then that that's it and, and then, then you, you go, go home. twice and then you go home and you just keep paying <laughs> well, them yeah i never said go i just said go <laughs> home okay <laughs> i've done that oh. so uh yeah i i have uh i have a bad bad track record for signing up for things with the expectation of canceling at any time. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. There's a, there's a reason I pay for like six streaming services and watch two. Uh, so we'll see, but the, well, you know, I, I generally watch all of them. Uh, I even signed up for, uh, um, a YouTube premium. Right. Uh -huh. So it, it strips all the ads away, which I absolutely love. And I, I, I spend more than, uh, more than enough time on YouTube watching crap. And I don't want to waste, uh, you know, three hours a week on ads. Oh God, that's, that's worth your whatever script subscription right there. It's regular, you know, it's like seven ninety nine or three ninety nine. I don't even know at this point, <laughs> but, uh, it's well worth it. It's well worth it. And I've heard that, uh, the YouTube premium, every time you watch something, it counts as 20 other people watching, uh, whatever it is you're watching. So I'm like, you know, a power user. Every time I watch something, it's like 20 people watching it at the same time. Nice. Awesome. You're affecting the algorithm, man. You're, uh, yeah. You're contributing to it. I, I am a slave to it and contributing to it at the same time. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Well, with that, I think we should uh, get into what we're really 
here to do, and that is talk about Fear the Walking Dead Season 7, Episode 5. It's called Till Death. And after that, The Walking Dead World Beyond Season 2, Episode 7, Blood and Lies. But let's start with Fear, Jason. This is the episode from November the 14th, which as we record this is yesterday. And I want to start here with a call from Jennifer and then an email from Nathan. And the call's a little bit long and the email's nice and short, so they balance each other out nicely, uh, which is something I've heard about Jennifer and Nathan. So let's start with Jen's call in, uh, well, she'll introduce herself. Here we go. Super. Hi, Chris. Hi, Jason. This is Jennifer in Minneapolis. And um, I apologize for my little speech impediment. I had jaw surgery recently and I'm still getting used to my new teeth. Anyway, I thought I would um, throw you some feedback on the last episode of Fear the Walking Dead. Um, I know that you guys are probably going to hate it because it is so silly. Um, But I loved Aisha Tyler. I thought her role was really interesting, even though it's kind of useless. Um, But it's a little bit more insight into Strand and his whole um, ideals. And I think Jason's right. He's kind of a Stalin-esque figure and uh, it's real creepy. Um, He just is kind of trapping people in that place. And for better or for worse, I thought the wrestling thing was really funny and I actually really enjoyed it. On any other show, I would think it was really dumb, but I thought it was really fun. And seeing Dwight's face and his reaction when he realized that his childhood hero was standing in front of him was absolutely priceless. We never get to see him like that. And so I thought it was really fun and really cute. And um, I don't know, I just thought it was really a good episode. I think it was kind of a, almost like a standalone episode, like it could just be watched. Um, it's it, similar to the one with um, the way that John and June met. I could just watch that one like as a little movie. I thought it was so great. And this one was like that to me. I thought it was just really, really fun to watch. And yeah, there were some dumb things and I don't know how well it really goes into the rest of this whole story. Um, but I really liked it and, um, I thought it was super fun. So the rest of the season has been complete horseshit in my opinion. Um, even though I actually kind of liked last week's episode with Mo Collins, cause I love her. She, uh, graduated from my high school one year before I started there. So I have a little special, um, feeling for her. Um, but I didn't, I haven't cared for the rest of the season, but this episode I thought was really great. So Thanks for everything that you do, and hope you guys are having a good uh, holiday season, and looking forward to hearing the show. Bye. All right. Thanks, Jennifer, for that. Now, the, e- the email here is from Nathan in Sydney, Australia, and Nathan writes, What on earth was with the zombie massacre scene to the soundtrack of that slamming tune? At first, I thought it was totally ridiculous, and then I changed my mind and thought it was pretty fun. So, uh, Nathan is, of course, referring to the sort of action scene climax of this episode, which takes place in a boxing ring in a gym and involves... Wrestling ring. Well, boxing wrestling. You're right. You're right. It was 
the episode was all about wrestling. Uh, and it involves uh, a large group of walkers that they have to fight off in various ways, including a bunch of wrestling moves. And Jennifer on her call suggested that uh, we would probably hate this episode, Jason, because it was so silly uh, for, you know, one of the reasons. Anyways, so I ask you, before I tell you what I think, I ask you, are you with Jennifer that you didn't like it because it was so silly? Or are you kind of more with Nathan who thought it was totally ridiculous, but maybe changed your mind and found the fun in it? I didn't dislike this episode at all. I'm a little bit confused and a little, a little bit horror stricken, stricken that, uh, you know, I would, it was, everybody would assume that I would hate everything, which is, uh, but it also is completely understandable. So, uh, I didn't dislike this episode and I, I, Aisha Tyler was a surprise and I, and I love Aisha Tyler. Uh, I think she's amazing. And as soon as she appeared on screen, it's like everything came up roses for me. It was, uh, okay. She's a wrestler. Fine. Okay. It's going to take place in a wrestling ring. Fine. Okay. She's going to do wrestling group moves. Fine. Uh, you know, and I liked Dwight and, uh, so uh, and it didn't have too much strand in this episode, which was good. So I didn't mind this episode at all. Sure. It was a wrestling themed episode slash cowboy themed because they were riding around like, you know, uh, marshals. Yeah. The dark horses. Uh, yeah. The dark horses. And, uh, so uh, it was kind of, and there was, the music was a little bit weird. It was, you know, a very cowboy-esque music soundtrack. And then all of a sudden we get this, you know, rock and reggae hit, which again was, it was, a, it was jarring. I absolutely agree. It, it felt out of place, uh, for the first, you know, third of the song. And then, you know, I, my head started bobbing and I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I was enjoying it. You sort of got into it. I got into it. And I started thinking about the difference between reggae and ska, you know, ska is just basically fast reggae with horns. And I really like reggae and I really like ska so it's all kind of, I don't know if they're the same or similar, but they're in the same family, you know? Okay. Fair enough. So overall, you liked it. Overall, I liked it. Interesting. I can't think of anything specific that I really hated about this episode. Okay. All right. Fair. My first watch of it, I really disliked it. I, really? I, I was, yeah, I, Jennifer was right uh, in her guess, at least with, with me, uh, I really, really disliked it the first time. Um, I disliked everything about the dark horses. I didn't like any of the wrestling stuff. I thought it was just a little too silly and ridiculous for me. Now I watched it again, of course. And once I was able to kind of just put all that behind and out of my mind a little bit, I think I came around to Nathan's view a little bit more where I'm not going to say I liked the episode, but I did, I was able to find the fun a little bit, which is important and something that I maybe haven't been able to do at times watching, well, this show especially and World Beyond a little bit. Sometimes if there's something I don't like, maybe I focus a little too hard on it and don't give the episode credit where it actually is due. Um, and I think that was the case here. I'm not going to go and say this was great. I, 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 my first thought was, boy, this is the worst episode of this show This uh, that this show has done. Like the worst one. Even worse than last week. And I didn't like last week's. But um, I think I've come around a little bit on it. But overall, I don't think fear, even though I 
believe this season started reasonably strong. I'm not so overall happy with where it's going. Now I'm doubting myself. Was I'm wondering whether or not I was paying attention enough. No, I'm sure I, I you were. I was trying to pay attention. I was trying to laser focus on what was going on. But, you know, my, my poor little brain can't stay focused on one thing for more than uh, 30, 40 seconds at a time before it starts multitasking. Well. Uh, so maybe, you know, I enjoyed it. And now I wonder if I should. No, don't. Don't let me. I'm not here to, I'm not here to change your mind or, or question you or anything like that. And I really appreciate that Jennifer wrote in and said she liked this one because I'm sure it has its fans out there. Um, and you know, we're all, we're all different. So we're all going to have different takes on stuff, but that's just where I was like really, really hated it the first time. And then kind of was like, you know what? I don't want to say maybe it was so bad. It's good because it just, for some reason when I watched it again and I was able to be like, okay, fine. Like you said, she's a wrestler. Okay, fine. They're going to do actual wrestling moves. Like, Okay, whatever. I mean, this is the this is the writers or the showrunners kind of probably are huge fans of wrestling and they're like, "You know what? We're going to build that into the show. Take it or leave it." And I guess good on them for doing that. For doing what they want to do. You got to shake things up every once in a while. You got to bring in different uh different elements like uh a nuclear explosion and yeah. a submarine that's been beached and yeah. uh you know, uh, every once in a while, a hot air shaped like a balloon, a balloon, like a beer can. Uh, uh-huh. You know, you got to drag this stuff in here just for uh, entertainment. Some stuff sticks, some stuff stuff doesn't. So, uh, so I guess for some people, the, the the wrestling thing didn't stick, but it, it built into the plot, right? Like they gave Aisha Tyler this uh, this fully rich backstory, like almost immediately. Yeah. Oh my God, I recognize you, and her wrestling. Uh, teammate was her, uh, well, her husband, but it wasn't her husband because they hadn't, didn't get married yet. So even then the plot thickens, right? Uh-huh. So this backstory, which is rich and gives her, uh, you know, directive and drive, she's got a, you know, her backstory is driving what she's attempting to do. She's trying to find her husband and she's going out to do that. And she sees, uh, Dwight and Sherry and he's, she knows that, look, you got separated for a long time yeah. and you found each other. I have this hope. Yeah. And, and Sherry jumps in. Yeah, I'll, I'll help you out. No problem. And they find him and he's there in the wrestling, uh, gym and it's, it's heartbreaking. And, uh, I just, I thought that the story building around it wasn't just, Hey, there's a wrestler. Let's go wrestle some zombies. Yeah. Uh, right. It was, there was a, a rich backstory that was given to her, which drove her desires and, and her story arc and her, and the plot. And, uh, I thought that was all pretty well done. And that those are all fair points because she isn't the worst character in the world. This character of Mickey played by Aisha Tyler. Um, and, and she does have uh, a bit of a story to it. One thing I didn't understand though, I, I must admit is at the part where, um, you know, they're, they're on their way and Dwight and Sherry at one point seem to have agreed that they're going to move on, but all of a sudden, um, all of a sudden Sherry goes off with her and Dwight doesn't want to, and they separate. Um, I had a hard time believing that she would just up and leave Dwight like that to go and help Mickey on her journey. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, you never split the party. Ever, ever, ever. Well, yeah. 
So I don't know. That's that seemed like a miss character moment there or sort of an outer out out of character moment a little bit um especially after what we'd been seeing with Dwight and Sherry leading up to this they seemed pretty you know solid and and we know they've been through been through some shit and um she originally didn't want to be with him but then of course changed her mind and and stuff so yeah I I didn't quite get that I wasn't really on board I thought you know these guys they should stick together and and I don't know why she's just kind of leaving but um let's uh let's talk about what they were doing um, for a bit here because the beginning part of this episode before they run into Mickey is them operating as this duo of kind of mercenaries they call themselves the dark horses yeah they were just uh you know going out doing good you know robbing from the people who robbed you and returning things to you in hopes of a reward right so they have this code it's basically doing that sort of a robin hood scenario and at one point i think is it Dwight? He says the more bad people we have to deal with, the less of them there will be out here to deal with. Yep. Right. So I think the more bad people uh, we kill, then we're we're ridding the land of the villains, kind of thing. And and Strand calls them ethical outlaws, which I thought was an interesting term. But what I wanted to say is that I felt like we were just dropped into them doing this kind of out of nowhere. And you say the word jarring. I found this jarring too. It's like, okay. The, the nuke went off, they were in this bunker with this family, and now all of a sudden, they're the dark horses. Like, what? How did we get here? I, I want, I feel like the show skips over stuff like this too much. I want to oh, yeah, know. it does. I want to know how we get to this point, not just, here we are, uh, take it or leave it. This is what they're doing right now. It, I don't like that about this show. You know, and there's there, been a lot of it this season, right? There has. Uh... And it, it depends. Like there's, there's sometimes where they gloss over shit that is just, uh, you know, hugely significant. Like how the hell did they get out of the cage or, you know, how the hell, you know, you have to be able to go from point A to point B. And if you're going to gloss over the in between, it has to be a direct straight line. You can't just go, uh, you know, they're good. They're, they're sheriffs now. Uh, what? <laughs> so I agree with you. Yeah. It's just, you know, why are they, they're dark horses, but why are they calling them dark horses when they're the, the, the light horses are they, they're like the dark knight that, uh, you know, they dress all in black and, uh, go out and, uh, do good when, you know, Bruce Wayne could just, you know, fund, uh, he's got a lot of money there. He could put a lot of money into Gotham and make <laughs> it a really nice place, but no, he has to go and fight bad guys with his fists. Right. Well, like an idiot. <laughs> like an idiot. It makes it makes for a more fun uh, movie, comic, story, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he could do so much more good with just, well, you know, the mo- amount of money that he's spending on his fucking bat cave. He could uh, he could set up a soup kitchen and uh, do a lot better. Uh, and a lot of times, there's only re- the only reason there are bad guys is because fucking Batman's out there. Like if Batman was uh, wasn't out there, would we have the Joker? I don't know. They need each other. They they yeah. balance each other. <laughs> Sorry. And then, so they got these dark horses, uh, dark horsies, I, I like to think of them. Uh-huh. Uh, so they're out there uh, doing good on uh, on dark horses, wearing dark clothes and uh, <laughs> all kinds of weird, like, what are they even doing? They're just going around and, uh, you know, if they find somebody that stole something, they 
they they do the right thing and return them something and kill the bad guys. That's what happens. That's so that's what this opening scene was, right? They they come up to these guys who've stolen a cart of fruit. And uh the whole scene I thought was just poorly, poorly done because they're standing in the road, you know, pointing guns at these guys. This fruit thieves don't have guns. They just have fruit. I mean, what are they going to do? You know, well, they got dragon fruit, you know, and that's not insignificant. <laughs> I guess not, they're, but they're pointy. Yeah. They're going to throw one at you. And, um, you know, they have them at gunpoint, but what do they do, Jason? They allow them to slowly walk close enough so that the one guy can actually try to grab Sherry's gun and take it away from her. And he, they do, they end up in the, in a fist fight. And I'm like, this, you're not very good dark horses if you're letting him get that close when you're pointing a gun at him. You know, it seems pretty crazy. And then zombies start coming around and they have to fight them. And that was fine. And I enjoyed that. But then the other guy gets knocked down. He gets up and he runs away. And I'm telling you, in like three seconds, that guy was 500 feet away. I don't know what kind of marathon fun runner that dude was, but he was oh, fast. You gotta be cardio, man. You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta be in good shape in the zombie apocalypse. I guess so. Well, he was out of there. Um... So I and they were firing guns before they even got there, right? Like they were uh, Sherry was shooting at uh, that their feet so that they wouldn't move, right? And uh, he, you know, the one guy was starting to run, but then uh, he gets there's a bullet at his feet, and I'm thinking, man, revolvers do not have that kind of accuracy at that kind of range, like they're really meant for close quarter kind of stuff. Anything beyond, uh, like I don't even know. I'm not even gonna say, but that seemed like a really long way to go to. Uh, shoot at somebody's feet and know you're not going to blow their goddamn foot off. Yeah, and she also shoots the uh, the fruit right out of his hand, right? Like, that's pretty accurate from how far away they were. Yeah, I mean, this shows, uh, well, the Walking Dead franchise is, uh, you know, their accuracy of the good guys is stellar. Of course. Since first season. But The Walking Dead's gotten better in that respect and that not everything is a headshot, right? It's been seasons now since every shot was a headshot. Yeah. Fear is going the other way. Like now suddenly Sherry is this sharpshooter markswoman. Uh, yeah. We got John Dory for a marksman already. Why do we need Sherry to be a marks, uh, a markswoman? Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody's super skilled yeah. at uh, shooting bullets, even though bullets shouldn't really be all that available anymore. Yeah. Right. But this was more or less the opening scene of the episode, and so I, I, it kind of got me off on the wrong foot because I thought it was just all done so poorly. And that reminds me, did you notice who the director of this episode was? I saw the name, but it didn't jump out at me as to who it was. No, it would have. You didn't see it then because it was one Mr. Lenny James directed this one. Oh, I was looking at Blood and Lies. Okay. Uh, Lenny James directed this. He did. He did. And- I, you know, he's an, oh, am- there it is. he's an amazing actor and, and he does some great work on this show and other shows. I don't think the directing really stood out on this. Now it's probably not all his fault, but scenes like this where that it just, so much of it doesn't really make sense. Um, maybe it's, it's not his fault. Maybe it's more of a writing problem. Like they, or, or they had to solve problems through writing that they couldn't like how to get the them close enough together to disarm her oh well we'll just have them walk forward you know that's that's boring so maybe it wasn't totally his fault you're right but it yeah you if you have a firearm you don't let somebody unarmed get within grabbing range of your weapon no like you know and you don't go within grabbing range like walking up directly to somebody and putting the 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 gun right to their 
to their forehead saying, freeze. It's just like, you're just asking for trouble because all I have to do is move three inches now yeah. and you won't hit me. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, uh, you know, if you were 30 feet away and I moved three inches, that's not really a, a big change for you to, uh, to, to re-aim. Nope. So, nope. Uh, yeah, it's just an improper use of firearms. So it was bad. Um, another thing I thought was bad in this episode was their, and, and this has been a problem in, in many of the episodes leading up to this, but the whole idea that they're one minute, it seems like they're in a nuclear wasteland and the next minute they're not, right? Last week we had this safe zone, but then when they were driving away, uh, when they crashed the van last week, it seemed like they were back in the foggy nu- nuclear po- apocalypse. And this one, you know, they're out, they're atta- they're accosting these fruit thieves, and then they go back to the bunker, and it's all nuclear around them and stuff like that. But their masks are on, their masks are off. They get captured by Strand. He says, "Take your masks off. Everything's fine here." Oh, really? It's really yellow in where you're standing. Like I thought, yellow meant nuclear holocaust, but. They're just all over the place with it, and I wouldn't mind a little bit of consistency, frankly. How hard would that be? Yeah, and that's like that's. Uh, I think your expectations are a little bit twisted because if we if we look at Spider Man here, Spider Man spends a lot of time without his Spider Man mask on, and you'd think that Spider Man would always wear his Spider Man mask, but uh, in a lot of Spider Man movies, Spider Man is not wearing his Spider Man mask all the Spider time. Right. That's fine, but he's and even Iron Man. The same kind of thing. He he's opening that up that fucking mask to have a conversation with just about everybody. <laughs> but then again, Tony Stark. Everybody knows Tony Stark is Iron Man, so that's fine. But Spider Man, you know, he's trying to keep a secret identity going, right? You know? But there's no secret identities here. The reason they wear masks is because there's nuclear dust and radiation floating around all over the place, and they don't want to breathe it or get it on themselves. We've heard yet. Oh no. Let's just take our mask off because we yeah. are having a conversation here. Well, we have the same storytelling issue, though. Is you don't want to have people in masks having conversations with uh, everybody all the time, right? That mask has to come off in order to be able to emote properly mm-hmm. in, a, in a conversation. So from a, yeah, it makes sense. Why would you take the mask off, you stupid idiot, to, uh, you know, it's really hard to have a conversation with somebody when they're wearing a mask. So uh, take the mask off. If it's safe to do so and you're, you know, properly distanced. Well, yeah, it annoys me. (laughs) If you're six feet apart, (laughs) take the mask off. If you can lie down between you and them, you can take the mask off. All right. Or if you can fit, what is it? You could fit a cow in there? If you could fit a cow between you? What is the... That sounds right. I think most cows are probably six feet long. Or a couple of hockey sticks. Adult cows. It's a hockey stick. You stay a hockey stick away from everybody? No, you need more. Maybe an outstretched arm and a hockey stick. My hockey sticks are... uh, are shorter than I am, and I'm not even six feet, so. All right, so if you can take a nap between you and them, then uh, <laughs> yeah. you can take your mask off. I guess, I guess, all right. Uh, so Strand captures them. Uh, he sends Howard out to get them, and he brings them back to his tower, uh, which is where he tells them about Mickey, Aisha Tyler's character. And really the only thing I wanted to point out there is that I appreciated how Sherry compared Strand's tower to Negan's sanctuary, and she said mm-hmm. something like, we've already lived in a place like this, I don't think we want to do it again. Yeah. So that that was a fun scene. But that's what leads them to Aisha Tyler and even her introductory scene where they meet up with her in this building that she's holed up in. Um, I thought it was fun. I thought it was pretty cool. And despite 
you know, the introduction of the wrestling stuff, it was an entertaining scene where Dwight is trying to remember who she is. He's like, have we met before? And she had the best line of the episode, Aisha Tyler. Which was? She said, no offense, buddy, but with a face like yours, I think I'd remember you. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Which was good. So great, so great. And even Dwight she was making, uh, yeah, Dwight enjoyed it. Uh, She was making armor out of duct tape. Uh, at that point. Yeah. Which, that, uh, to quote The Rock, uh, if uh, if you can't fix it with duct tape, you're not using enough duct tape. <laughs> it's fair, yeah. <laughs> it has a light side, a dark side, and it binds the universe together. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. So she's making this suit of duct tape and cardboard and so on, and the suit was important because it allowed her to kind of just walk through some zombies when they got to the gym, right, which was okay. But even that scene I felt was staged weird. It's like, okay, uh, Mickey, you walk through the zombies toward the door, and then she gets to the door, rattles the handle, and it's locked, and then turns around as like, I don't know what to do now. And meanwhile, Sherry is standing there, I don't know, not that far away, maybe 50 feet away, it's hard to tell, pointing a gun, and she just starts shooting the zombies. So the what was the plan? really there. I don't really understand it. Well, you know, there's a, a plan rarely survives contact with the enemy. Yeah, fair. So, I mean, the plan was for uh, for Aisha Tyler to, to go up and open the door, but uh, apparently she uh, forgot her keys. I'm not sure exactly yeah. what happened there. What? Okay, this door's locked fine, but I'm sure you can get through a locked door in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, well, it required shooting the door out. It was a big glass door, and so Sherry shoots it, and then they go in, but now they don't really have a door, and uh, this is why all the zombies get in. So it's all very convenient leading up to this giant zombie fight, uh, which um, happens at the end, and, you know, where Dwight kind of just shows up uh, to save the day because he wasn't with them because they separated for a while. Yeah, it's like Han Solo. Why did Han Solo leave? Because he's a rogue and he goes off and does his own thing. But then, right. you know, his conscience gets, conscience gets the better of him and he uh, he shows up to uh, to save the day and say, you're all clear, kid. To do the right thing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And Chewbacca's along for the ride. We know he doesn't do much because he doesn't get a medal in the end. Well, it took him uh, six more movies to get a medal, right? Yeah, he eventually got it. Eventually. <laughs> Poor Chewie. So... Yeah, so that's that's that, and I think the whole point of this was to get us to this big uh, wrestling scene. What's the what's the the mo- wrestling move where you turn your opponent over and like drop him down on his head? Is that a pile driver? I'm having the faintest idea. Pile driver sounds okay. Yeah, there's uh, there's all kinds of moves that have nuances that have various different names, but pile driver would work. I, well, sort of. Why would you? A lot of wrestling moves require cooperation between the wrestlers. Right, uh-huh. uh, it's it's. Uh, I hate to spoil uh, anybody's bubble here, but it's uh, it's scripted, and they work together. The heels and the heroes work together in order to have an entertaining match. Yes, they do. Sometimes people get hurt, but uh, it's rare. Well, it's not rare, but it's unexpected <laughs> when that happens. Yep. Uh, you know, when somebody gets seriously hurt, but uh, I don't know. You know, getting somebody into a position where you can do a pile drive takes a lot of willingness on the participants, uh, every participant, in order to execute it properly. No, I totally agree. But she does one on a zombie here, and that's 
that's good. It crunches the zombie's head, I guess. Uh, and, you know, there's some other moves in there. She's in the ring doing all this. Uh, meanwhile, Sherry is fighting somewhere else and Dwight is shooting them from the nearby bleachers, like the seating, it looks like. Yep. And it all culminates with her signature move, which was called Till Death Do Us Part, if I'm not mistaken, which involves, uh, well, Dwight arranges the last zombie in the room to sort of stand there outside the ring. She climbs up on the turnbuckle, that's called. Yep, that's the turnbuckle. And with a knife in her hand, lunges down, jumps off, lunges down on top of it, and puts the knife straight through its head. So that's her signature move, till death do us part. Well, this, uh, I had a problem with this, because she said earlier in the episode that it was a two-person move, right? She couldn't do it by, without her uh, without her wrestling partner. So how was she able to do it alone? Maybe she means two-person, as in her and her victim, who's outside the well, ring on the ground? Wouldn't that be all the, you know, if it's a two-person move and you include the, you include your opponent, wouldn't that be all wrestling moves? Yeah, fair enough. You're not going to be able to, you're not going to do a pile driver by yourself, right? You're no. not going to jump off the top turnbuckle and clothesline somebody if there's no somebody to clothesline. No. You're just going to go head first into the friggin' mat. Well, it's a good question. I really don't know how or why it's a two-person move, but... Uh, that's what it was. She jumps off with the knife. I was thinking it's like, so how does this move work when it's not a zombie and you're not holding a knife? Because presumably in the actual wrestling, she wasn't knifing a dude in the head. I guess. Oh, come on. You don't know. We (laughs) have, we don't know uh, how the wrestling works in this universe. Maybe it's gladiatorial and, uh, everybody has knives. Okay. Fair enough. I like to think that, that it's, you know, it's a different universe. We've established that it has to be an absolutely different universe. Uh, with different rules of physics and therefore a different rules of society uh, and therefore uh, professional wrestlers carry knives. And murder each other. Yeah, I don't know. Or try to anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's just some light stabbing, you know, because again, it's cooperative and kind of scripted, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe it's it's only light stabbing. And she stabbed a little too deeply, uh, you know, because she was trying to kill the, kill the person where generally you don't train kill you generally not or or maybe in real life it's just she comes down with a fake blow to the head the person goes down and matches over i don't know oh, oh. oh yeah there's there's the stagger so she goes down with uh you know at the same time of bonking them on the head she slams her foot into the ground because you need the sound right yeah yeah so you do this two at the same time and then the guy staggers back around and then he falls down uh you know uh, knocked cold so that uh, so she can do a three count. Right. And then somebody hits him with a folded up metal chair, which they were doing in this episode too, and something you see in wrestling, or at least... It's pretty standard. Yeah, I remember seeing it. Because <laughs> uh, if it wasn't standard, then uh, you'd probably not see folded metal chairs at wrestling events. Right. right. They would be like, well, that's probably frowned upon, so we probably should bolt the chairs to the ground no, so that people don't throw them around. (laughs) Instead, we'll just leave them here so they're easily accessible for when somebody wants to clobber somebody else with it. Yeah. And then the audience starts throwing chairs and that's always, that's just, that's just inviting chaos. Yes. People get into it and there's like, fucking everybody's beating each other with chairs. This is great. I'm going (laughs) to throw my chair at the ring. And then people, somebody takes a frigging chair leg to the eye. It's how you lose an eye. It's all fun and games until someone loses an eye. And then it's a wrestling match. And you can bet on it. And it's wrestling. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, 
at the end of this, they're all good. They all survive. And the three of them ride off together. I think uh, Mickey is now the third Dark Horse, if I'm not mistaken. They get a call. The way they get calls, the Dark Horses, is they just are on the radio and someone comes on and says, I heard the Dark Horses were on this channel. I got a problem. Can you help me? And they do. So they get one of these calls. They ride out. And uh, it's the three of them now. And I wonder if Aisha Tyler is going to stick around. It doesn't feel like she's going to disappear from the show all of a sudden. I think she might be a new regular character. I think that'd be great. I'd be all on board with that. They just need a fourth person and then to find a black pimped out van so that they could drive around and they could call themselves the A-Team instead of the Dark Horses. Why not? The A-Team. Yeah, because if you're in trouble and you need some help and you can find them, you know, you call the A-Team. Good point. Yeah. (laughs) That finding them is important. It is. It's very, you know, usually you have to put an ad in the back of Soldier and Fortune or whatever that that magazine is. Sure. The uh, Soldier of Fortune, maybe? I don't don't know. know. (laughs) Well, that's what they're doing. But they get to this final call and they're kind of ambushed. And turns out, remember the stalkers, Jason? do. Turns out it's the stalkers that have called them. So the stalkers have heard about the Dark Horses as well. Everyone's got a funny name, fancy name, I guess. And they tell them that they need their help to find Padre. Whether they like it or not, they want to find Padre. So, you know, this Padre place has come up a bunch of times in most of the episodes. And uh, now we've got the stalkers looking for it as well, with the help of the dark horses, maybe reluctantly. And we'll have to see where that goes. But the other thing I remembered is, don't forget, uh, was it last week? Yeah, last week the stalkers picked up that unexploded nuke. So what are they going to do with that? They have it too. Yeah, they got a nuke and a desire, and now they have uh, an alliance with the dark horses. The dark horses. I like that. The dark horsies. Yeah. Uh, okay. So is it that I really don't like the idea that everybody's evolving into themed gangs, right? We have, uh, we have the dark horses, which, uh, you know, have, they have their dark night, uh, a team theme. We've got the, uh, the stalkers. They have the theme. We have, uh, we have the tower, you know, they're fucking strands dressing up in his dumb hat. And it's just everybody's devolving into weird themed gangs here, and it's driving me batshit crazy. Yeah, it does seem a little bit funny. I hadn't really thought about it too much like that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, even Morgan and uh, and Grace are, I mean, it's just the two of them for now, but um, the other group- gotta, gotta pick a theme. And even yeah. in the, the other show, it's it's the same thing with, uh, you know, you have to have this bit of theater. It's uh, It's, it's- just this, this, it's, I have to use the word theme again. It's a theme running through this entire franchise where in order to be in a group of people, you have to have a uh, theater and a theme and you all have to dress the same. And you have to act the same and you have to make up your own language and you have to have your own style. Cause fuck this shit. You know, if it's going to be in the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> I'm going to have style when I fight other people. Sure. Uh, it's pretty crazy. It's a little bit silly. The one we don't know really much about yet is, everybody who is at the place that Sarah started at that bread and bed and breakfast. Right. We don't know what their theme is yet. Well, you know, bed and breakfast is fine theme. Oh yeah. Fair (laughs) enough. Good point. (laughs) B and B. Yeah. You know, come on over, have some breakfast and uh, stay the night. We'll treat you right. And then we'll fight you. (laughs) And then we'll fight you. Oh man. All right. Well, 
I had fun talking about this episode, even though I didn't like it uh, very much. Um, so there you go. Um, I don't know. I hope this show turns it around for me anyways a little bit and has a little bit more to do with the greater Walking Dead universe. I feel like that would help a bit for me. Some of these standalone slash bottle episodes, if I can go all the way back to Jennifer's call at the beginning, she, she ref, you know, uh, compared this to one of those sort of standalone episodes that just does its own thing. This kind of had that a little bit, but it did tie in, I guess, at the end there with the stalkers. But uh, I think this show needs to turn it around, which sadly for fear right now is kind of asking a lot, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I'm also getting annoyed with Padre. I hope they friggin' sort that shit out. Cause, uh, it, do I have this right? That Padre is something somebody has been broadcasting over the, uh, a radio signal informing people that, uh, Padre exists, but making sure that they don't tell them. Uh, okay. So two things are happening. One is they won't tell anybody where it is. And two, nobody knows what it is, or they're not telling us what it is, even though they might know what it is. Well, it's a place. I mean, what do you mean by what? Like, it's a place to go and- Well, because we, all we've seen is like a note that says Padre. And they say, well, yeah. uh, you know, we got to go to Padre. What is Padre? And, you know, my initial thought was, of course, it's the password to get into the friggin' sex party. Uh, that uh, that they set up where everybody wears masks because everybody wears masks, uh-huh. and you go to the sex party, and uh, instead of Fidelio, it's Padre, which is a weird name for a sex party or weird password for a sex party, unless it's you know, I don't even want to go there. But it's it's I'm getting sick of Padre, and there's an episode coming up called Padre, and I'm hoping they answer the fucking question and move on with their shit and. Oh, they, shit together. they'll have to, they will for sure. There's a place in Texas called Padre Island, like a real place or something like that. I forget if that, if I'm getting that ex- correct or not, but people are generally thinking this is where the show is leading and there's some sort of community here as there always is safety, whatever. This is where Alicia is. Honestly, I feel like Alicia Debnam Carey has just left the show and they haven't told us yet because good Lord, we we're seven episodes in or six or whatever this was five um yeah. and she hasn't been on it like this is ridiculous well, she's uh she's schrodinger's alicia at this point uh you know she's neither on the show nor off the show or maybe both until they uh you know tell us confirm either way i know it's it just is getting ridiculous but this is where she is like we we she left that note in the first episode for that will guy and strand and uh now everybody wants to get there yet nobody seems to know where it is um, except for her. So they'll answer it. I'm sure they'll answer it. We just have to wait and be patient. All righty. Well, that is Fear of the Walking Dead Season 7, Episode 5. Only three more, of course, until until it uh, goes on hiatus. And uh, we'll see what happens. So now, The Walking Dead World Beyond, Season 2, Episode 7. It's called Blood and Lies. And like I did before, I'm going to start off with a call here again from Daniel. Holy crap. Walking Dead World Beyond, Blood and Lies, is a really good episode. That's it. No more or less. No spoilers. Just loved it. First one I have. Seen potential in all the others. This one I actually thought was brilliant. Cheers, guys. Keep it up the woodwork. 
All right, thanks, Daniel. So he liked this one a lot, and I did too, I'm happy to say. And I know what the reason for it is, I'm pretty sure. And I've been feeling this all along as this season ha has gone. It but is they answered something? It, it is, well, yes, but also that this episode deals with the greater story, the greater Walking yeah. Dead mythology that, that, that the world beyond should be focusing on this season and not the you know, minutia of the squabbles between the teenagers, right? Right. And this one was good for that. And it really cemented that feeling for me that this is what I like about this show. And uh, we got lots of it in this one. Yeah. I'll give you all the, come with me and I'll give you all the answers. And then the answer is, I don't know, for why did they kill a whole community? But then we kind of got an answer for that. But anyway, there was lots of answers in this, this episode, which I thought was... Uh, was good. I, I'm not sure I would probably, I don't think I would go all the way to, I liked it, but, uh, I think I, it, it's solid for me in the, uh, this is not complete garbage and I was able to pay attention to it and it actually engaged my mental capacity to, uh, uh, for me to be able to comprehend what the hell was going on from one moment to another. And I'm sitting here remembering what happened in this episode. Well, that's good. I'm glad. I was going to ask you because the last couple of weeks you've you've had a real hard time with this show oh, just God. not focusing on it. And I get that. I get that. It's it's been tricky at times. But you're you're saying this week it was better. You didn't have so much of a problem. It was better. I did not have so much of a problem. And uh, I actually uh enjoyed uh, the Jadis thing. Uh you know, uh, Jadis going around doing her uh, uh her investigation. But uh, much like Columbo, she already knew the answer before she even started, and she just needed to uh, feel things out and, uh, you know, and work a separate angle. Like, yeah. she wasn't just uh, trying to figure out what the answer was. She was trying to trying to test uh, what's her eyebrows. Uh, Jennifer slash Huck. Yeah, Huck. So right. she was testing Huck to make sure that she was uh, still on the right side of uh, right side of things. Yeah, and Huck did what she needed to do to to earn or keep Jadis's trust, right? Yep. You know, it, it, we're at a point now where um, Jadis, who, who's at least part of her whole thing, whole deal for being there was to make sure that Huck wasn't a traitor. <laughs> and yep. Huck has proven to her that she, well, proven to Jadis anyways, that she isn't. Uh, I think she still is, or, or she definitely has her doubts about what's going on. Um, but I think it's interesting, an interesting show story mechanic here that the person who came in to see if Huck was a traitor and you kind of assume that she's going to discover, yeah, she is, it's gone the other way. I think that'll make for some fun last few episodes. Mm-hmm. Right? Could be. Um, anyways, let's go through some of the things we learned. First of all, the gas. So this, uh... This uh, chemical weapon they've got and that they've used, we find out that it's chlorine gas, yep. which is what they use to gas everybody. Leo says it causes bronchial spasms and fluid produces in the lungs way too much. And then you kind of uh, drown, I think he says, from the inside out. But question is that Hope realizes that chlorine gas should be colorless, except in the show it's red, so there must be something else added to it. We don't know what that is yet. Uh, yep, so it is, uh, I, I don't know. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. 
Uh, I, I'm not sure. Is that the same as CS gas? Is the same as chlorine gas? I'm not sure. No, I don't know either. But... I don't think so either. CS gas is uh, tear gas, but uh, chlorine gas is deadly, I guess. Right. Well, yeah, no matter what. I mean, if there's... I'm, I'm allergic to chlorine too much. Uh, I, don't, I can't go in a public pool because it just... Uh, I'm not sure what it is, but I'm, I'm, I have to stay away from chlorine. So I don't think I would survive uh, a chlorine gas attack. Not very long. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> Sounds like you'd be the first one to keel over. <laughs> oh, I'd be, yeah, I'd be long dead. So luckily in this scenario, I'd be dead for years. So no problem. Okay, good. Well, we learned that, that it's chlorine gas, but we wonder what that other ingredient is in there that turns it red or colored. Uh, it's, uh, it's green, right? Or red or green? Well, we've seen in the... We've seen all the green stuff when um, Felix was sneaking around in the freezer, but this one, when Leo and his daughters are analyzing it, it turns red in the vial. So I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. That's just a test. That's just, uh, you know, you, uh, you mix okay. it and it turns red. So I think whatever they're adding to the chlorine gas, because she said it's normally clear, but this stuff is green. Oh, right? okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So I don't know what they added to the, the green thing, but I'm, I'm hoping, hoping it's not the same thing that they used to create the Incredible Hulk because uh, that would be bad because you would, you would hate to have to, you know, you try and kill a bunch of people and you, and uh, you know, you're having to deal with some monsterism that just people turn into monsters. Uh, yeah. It would be bad. It would be very, very bad. Especially, uh, yeah, that's gamma radiation, right? What they used for the Hulk. So. Yeah, it's know. gamma radiation, but there was also something else, right? Like it was also part of a super serum, super soldier serum, the same thing they gave Captain America. Uh, was it? So, yeah, I think there was something in there or okay. there's some kind of correlation between the Hulk and Captain America and uh, the serums or what they, what they got. So I don't think it was just gamma radiation because <laughs> gamma radiation is just, you know, it just fucking kills you, right? There's no ands, if, ors, or buts about it. It's not going to mutate you into a, uh, you know, a super powered monster. Uh, is the Hulk a monster? He's a monster, right? I mean, he's he, a good guy, but he's a bad guy. No, I mean, he, he flip flops back and forth. I mean, the, the final version of the Hulk we got in the MCU not not a bad guy, not even a monster, really. Just uh, you know, big, some big green some dude. monsterism, some minor monsterism, yeah. <laughs> Pleasing taste, some monsterism. <laughs> All right, that's well, a Simpsons quote. Yes. For those of you that don't know, I'm sure Chris does. That's right, some monsterism. All right, well, that's the gas. Uh, Lila, what is Lila doing? So we we kind of knew this already. She has these test subjects, right? And she reveals that. Most of the ones they bring in are already bitten, but her goal is to observe the subjects while they die. And I guess they're reanimation because she's trying to work on figuring out sort of what causes it and how they can slow it down. So we see her latest test subject, that guy Barca, again in this one, um, He's not bitten. He is one of the test subjects that is not bitten, which apparently is unusual. So instead, she exposes him to this gas. Yep. And that's what what kills him, although it seems like he's taking a long time to turn and reanimate, which is um, progress in her mind, right? She, they almost get to eight hours, apparently. Uh, but what I liked about it is that before he dies... He says to her, if tomorrow is built with blood and lies, that's all it'll ever be. 
And that's gotta be sort of a, a theme of things going on here, right? Like if you're, yeah. you may have good intentions, but if you're, if you're getting there through death and blood and lying and all these bad things, then whatever you build will be based on that. And it can never be as, as good as you hope. And you, and speaking of the MCU, you know what that reminded me of a little bit? Uh, what? Thanos and his whole thing, right? And, and what Captain America and our team were sort of saying, it's like, if you build all this based on destruction and lies and blood and death, then, uh, you know, whatever universe you create will have that, will be standing on the shoulders of that. And that's not good. It'll never last. So I have a question about Thanos. Oh, are you sure? I'm sure. <laughs> okay. You know, is, his whole point was... What he I had mean by infinite... that is, are you sure now is the time? <laughs> now is the perfect time. All Thanos, right. when he had all the stones, I'm sorry if this spoils anything, but and he had essentially infinite power to kill off half of uh, all of life in order to make room for the rest of the life yep. to, you know, ultimately expand and take over and do, yeah, it's going to have to do this again in, uh, you know, 50 billion years or whatever the fuck. Why didn't he just double the size of the universe? Yeah, I know. Double the resources instead of kill all the life. Just like, just make it twice as big. Mm. Hey, problem solved, dude. You didn't have to kill anybody. You got new planets to explore. This is great. Fun. And then stick around for a while and do it again if you have to. I'm sure the stones will make you immortal. Uh, sure. Anyway. It's a really good question and one that I try not to think about. Yeah, it's the same as Batman. It's just, you know, the decisions that you make uh, are entertaining, but fucking crazy. Like, just, you know, think about what you're doing, you know? <laughs> Why are you doing this when you could be doing so much better without dressing up like a bat? Think about what you're doing, man. Come on. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. So she is basically trying to observe people while they die and delay their reanimation. Uh, the, the gas to get back to that, it, it kills him, of course, and it kills subjects, but it is, is it also involved in the delaying of his turning into a zombie or are they unrelated? I, I think that's what she's exploring. Yeah. She's exploring, uh, what, if, uh, if the manner of death, uh, it has any bearing on the time it takes to reanimate. Right. You know, if you're, uh, if you die because you got stabbed in the heart, how long does it take? Or if you die because, uh, you got stabbed in the stomach, does that, how does that factor in? Like, sure, it would take you longer to die because you got stabbed in the stomach rather than the heart. But once you're dead, does that have any bearing on how long it takes for you to come back? Right. Right. Just part of the research then. So you have to kill a whole bunch of people in a whole bunch of different ways and see how that affects it and see if, uh, you know, put it into categories, you know, poisoning or gassing or, you know, nerve gas or radiation or uh, physical trauma or if any of these things have any bearing on what's going on. And the answer ultimately is no, because they said way back in like season one of The Walking Dead that they'll never explain uh, why some people come back. Uh, at different speeds. Right. So I'm hoping that they stick to that. I agree. I am hoping too. And uh, even when when um, Lila is talking to Jadis, you know, later on in this episode, she says it's been almost eight hours and Jadis goes, well, that's good. It's not unheard of, but it's pretty good. So they already know, obviously, that it can take a wide variety of times, anywhere from a couple of minutes when the plot requires it to eight or 10 or more hours when 
when it's yeah. not as important. So uh, well, when you have one test subject, uh, you know, the results are insignificant, right? Yeah. You need at least three data points in order to draw a line, uh, two to draw the line and one to confirm it. There you go. So what else did we learn here? Um, there, uh, Lila reveals to Hope and Iris, of course, that she's developed this injection that's supposed to delay reanimation. And apparently the massacres at Omaha and the campus colonies by the CRM were an opportunity to test this on a massive scale. Uh, so yes and no. Okay. I mean, that's not why they killed them, right? But the fact that they were killing them gave them the opportunity to test. So that was one of the answers she did not know is why they were killing them. So they were killing yeah. them anyway. Yeah. But she jumped on board and said, hey, this is a great opportunity. I'm really glad you're killing uh, 100,000 people. That's right. Uh, that's great news. Let me do some testing. <laughs> Thank no. you for this wonderful opportunity. No, that's that's very true. You're right. She does say she questioned why 100,000 people needed to die. And that was a question that she was asked to never ask again. <laughs> yeah. Let me answer that with a shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she also mentions, though, that the Civic Republic government has no idea what the military is actually doing outside the walls of the actual CR, which is a place we've never seen that we know of. Um, yep. We have no idea what's going on over there, and we have no idea other than, well, we have no idea what the government is doing other than they were supposed to take over oversight of the community, but the military is delaying that. We found that out last week, right? So the the CRM, the military, has totally gone rogue and are are wiping out these other colonies because at the very end of the episode, we learn that they're targeting Portland next. And so these other groups that are huge groups of people, they're just wiping them out for some reason. Some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Some, you know, Caesar type reason. But that's, that's the thing I could have sort of seen coming. I think it's like if, if one group decides to wipe out another hundred thousand group and then like another campus colony that had, I didn't have like 10,000 people there or something like that too. Yeah. I feel like, well, I guess their next step is to move on and take out the other big community, which is Portland. So I, I really could have seen that coming and I guess they're going to do it the same way gas everybody and then they bring in all the zombies as cover for that to make it look make it look like it was an accident quote right i think she's doing the same thing that uh, emperor palpatine did in uh, uh in star wars she's just uh, she's trying to take over she's trying to wipe out the republic uh and uh, create a galactic empire i guess so that's what's going on <laughs> the galactic crm empire <laughs> yeah <laughs> there you go uh, what else? Um, I did appreciate a lot of the parts of this episode. So at, at one point when shit starts to hit the fan a little bit and they realize that this vial has gone missing that Felix stole, remember? Yep. Lila comes to them and tries to warn Leo and the girls and stuff like that. And what I liked about a lot of that stuff is you don't know if she's genuinely trying to help them or not. And I thought that was a pretty good way to... Uh, have some tension in this episode. You don't know if everyone should just fess up to her and be like, yeah, we did it. Like help us out here. Or if Lila is just trying to get them to confess so that she can turn them in kind of thing. Right. I liked yep. all that. And it went on 
pretty long. Even once she took the girls into her, um, into her lab there and showed them the test subjects. I'm like, I'm not sure she's, I'm not sure what her motivations are here. And I enjoyed that. I thought it was pretty well done. It was, it was well done. That's what, uh, one of the things I really liked about this episode is that whole, uh, intrigue, uh, you know, it was political intrigue, uh, instead of, uh, you know, a bunch of high school kids getting mad about, you know, he likes you and not me. And I don't like that. You're right. <laughs> I mean, there isn't too much of that even, but I know what you mean. I know exactly what you're talking about. And just before we move on um, to something else we learned here, even the scenes that were sort of like that in this episode, for some reason, because maybe they were intermixed with some of this political intrigue, they didn't bother me as much. Like the bit with um, Hope and Mason down there and they're sort of flirty with each other. I don't know. Didn't bother me. I thought it worked better this time. That was one of the things I hated the most about this episode uh, uh, was when Hope... No, it wasn't the, the interact, interaction between Hope and Mason. It was uh, Hope's... When she was hiding the vial inside the speaker. Yeah. And then Mason shows up and she turns around. She goes, she got her hand behind her back. She goes, oh, I wasn't expecting... I was looking for you. Uh, and she was looking as guilty as shit. And Mason's either the dumbest guy alive or he, he's trying to get a girl to like him well so, you know, I mean I wouldn't put that past it but he's got to be a complete fucking idiot to not know that she's obviously up to something that she's absolutely hiding she's acting strangely she turned around quickly she was obviously doing something that he didn't inquire about she's hiding something behind her back uh it's it's come on Really? All, you said it all of that is a totally explainable by he's trying to get a girl to like him you know, and it's been a long time since I've been a uh, a teenage girl. You thought I was going to go with guy, didn't you? No, I knew you were uh, going to go teenage girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since I was a uh, a teenager in any way, shape, or form. Uh-huh. But uh, I would have ignored a lot of shit to uh, try and get a girl to like me. Yeah, like uh, it's not. I just I have a hard time that he wasn't aware of it anyway, right? Because I would. Me, I would be aware of the suspicious behavior. It's like, you're acting strangely, but I'm just going to ignore that. Right. I'm just going to ignore that, put a pin in that for now, because, hey, look, girl, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and it turns out Mason is the the son of, uh, uh, so that was good information. Is that where you were going to go to next? Not, well, uh, actually, no, but you're right. That was important. Turns out that Mason is Major General Beale's son. So he's Mason Beale. Yeah. Uh, Dumb name, but whatever. Bit, a little bit, but you know, whatever. Um, I, I would want... go with Billy. Billy Beale would be better, or Bobby Beale, uh-huh. or Bernard Beale would be even be, because he would be Benny Beale. <laughs> Bernie it's, Beale. It's all, Bernie Beale, like double, double, double letters are always good for, for names. Yeah. Uh, but if you're going to go with Beale, then go with something that ends in Y. Even Johnny Beale would be good, right? Mm. Uh, anything that ends in Y, Tony Beale, uh, you know, Billy Beale, it's all, it's all good. Uh, but Mason Beale, it's just like, you know, his middle name might as well be Elwell. Mason Elwell Beale. It's just like, uh, can you make a more awkward name? I don't think so. <laughs> um, you're right. It rolls. It doesn't roll off the tongue very well. Mason Beale. Maisie Beale. Macy. Macy Beale. Macy Beale. Macy Beale. Macy Beale. Maybe we should call him Macy. Macy. All right. Well, we'll think about that. Uh, I wonder though. Like, does it? Does this make it more likely 
that we will actually see Major General Beale in the show before before this season ends? Because I st- I've started to think, you know, maybe we're we not going to. We have to. Well, you would think they bring I'm him up. I'm starting to think we'll see Rick before the season ends at this point. Well, Jesus Christ, that would be something. Can, but Can you imagine the kick in the balls that would be if fucking Rick shows up? I would 100% forgive almost all of The Walking Dead's or AMC's tendency to spoil things, like the introduction of Jadis, for example, if they kept that a secret and they actually pulled it off. Yeah, I just I was thinking about that today. So I was like, man, okay, so Jadis showed up. And she had Rick the last time we saw her. Uh, you know, what if what if Rick shows up? Just a cameo. Just it's the snake in the mailbox at the end, right? Right at the end of a show that will not have another season. Yeah, it's just fucking Rick. I don't care if he's in a goddamn uniform or if he's in a cage or whatever. Just a freaking shot of Rick in a situation, and uh, and and the internet goes wild. And it would. And it would. It would be pretty epic, I think. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I know you can't put too much stock in what people say, but Gimple has said, no, Rick is not going to be in this show. He said it repeatedly. Uh, Whether you believe him or not, I don't know. But it would be pretty incredible if if that all of a sudden happened. I mean, everything's his fault, but I still believe him when he says things. Correct, yes. Yeah, okay. Unlike Kirkman. Kirkman, who, who everything is is a lie. I've, I've had yeah. friends like that. Anything that he says, there's a really good chance that that's not true. Like it's not even like 50-50. It's just if he says it, there's a there's a 97% chance that that is not what he meant. Right. Uh, you know, and in specifically if he says he's going to do something, there's a 97% chance that he will not do that. It's not even like 50-50. Sometimes he does stuff. He's not even flaky. It's just when he says he's going to do something, he does not do it. Ever. Right. <laughs> Except for maybe one in 10. Well, there you or go. One in 100 or, you know, three in 100 or 97. I know how percentages work. Shut up. I'm pretty sure you do. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, so we learned that. That's exciting. I, I, was gonna, I was trying to say, I don't know if this means it's more or less likely. I mean, I feel like we do have to see this character, but now that his son is here instead. I almost I'm like, oh, well, they won't introduce the, the father. It'll just be the son. But we'll see. I don't know. I, and the I, father will show up in the movies? Maybe. Yeah, exactly. I feel like they're they're leading towards Major General Beale being the big antagonist for the movies. Uh, but again, I don't know. And, and so other- you're saying this whole series, this whole limited series of The Walking Dead is exposition for the movies. Yes. I think maybe this whole thing, and this wasn't in t- the intention originally, I don't think, but maybe the whole point of this is setting the stage for what the movies are going to be. And they're just introducing, I mean, why would Jadis be there, right? Jadis is there because she's related to Rick and she took him to the CRM and we're learning more about the CRM and its power structure and the difference between the the CR and the CRM and stuff like that. So I think they may be setting up the groundwork for the movie. And now that I say all that, I wonder if we are actually leading up to some sort of announcement at the end of this show like the the last episode will finish and there will be a rick grimes movie announcement which we haven't had in so long and they've been promising us for so long maybe that's what we're going towards yeah and that feeds into why uh, in my brain why i'm thinking rick might show up at the end just at the end right just like one shot of him 
for the holy shit moment and then announcement of the movies. And everybody's like fucking way on board. What if it's Rick without it being Rick or Rick without it being Andy Lincoln? Like what if it's a shot of someone from behind and you know it's him, but they oh, didn't... Oh, like they did with the Michonne in season two? Well, like the Michonne introduction, yeah, they hadn't even cast Deny yet at that point, but... You know, we all know who's going to play Rick. What if, just as a tease, they throw someone else in there? I mean, maybe it's Andy Lincoln, but what if you don't see his face, you know? Yeah. And you see Why his- wouldn't you get Andy Lincoln for that? If he's doing the movies, he's going to do promotion for the movies, because that's part of the contract. Yeah. And maybe promotion for the movies includes a cameo in this goddamn show. Right, but what are Rick's defining features? His gun, his boots, uh, for a while there, that, like, fuzzy jacket he was wearing... Maybe the hat, but he gave the hat away. You know, what if oh, you, like, what if you like saw what they some did of when that they announced stuff? Uh, the, the Crystal Skull, uh, and it was just a fucking silhouette of Indiana Jones. Sometimes that was, teaser, that was the teaser trailer. Sometimes a silhouette is enough. You know, it's just a hat and the wit, and you're like, oh my god, Indiana Jones is coming back! Holy shit, I'm so excited about this new fourth Indiana Jones movie. It's going to be so friggin' great. Remember, remember when we were all excited? Remember? Yeah, I remember the excitement. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like things like that you can do with iconic characters. And Rick Grimes, at least within the Walking Dead fan base, obviously is the most iconic character. Uh, I mean, they've done pretty good work with others. Like Michonne fits that bill too, but they could get away with showing something that we all know as Rick without actually showing Rick. And I kind of hope they do that now if they don't actually show them straight up. Right. You know? Well, I, you know, I kind of hope, I hope too. You know? Remember the, the Star Wars poster for Phantom Menace where little Jake Lloyd was standing there and his shadow was on the wall and it was Darth Vader? No. Do you remember that? It was an amazing, no, I don't remember it, it that. was an amazing movie. One of the best things about the Star Wars prequels, it was this movie poster where it's just him on Tatooine or whatever and... He's standing there, little boy, you know, Anakin Skywalker, and the shadow of him on the wall is the silhouette of Darth Vader. It was a really, really well done poster, but uh, that's what I mean. Like, you you don't need to do anything other than that, and you know what that's saying. You know who that character is. So they could do that with Rick, and I think it would be fun. Right. On Tatooine, where they eat blue ice cream, and they go hunting wombats in their T-15? Right. How long have you been working on that? I haven't. That's a Phineas and Ferb uh, Star Wars uh, uh, special. You should watch it. It's hilarious. It's awesome. I have seen some Phineas and Ferb and uh, enjoyed it. What I've seen. Some of it, I've seen some of it, but the uh, the Star Wars special, especially the Tatooine song, which I just quoted, which is, it opens with. So at least start the opening, uh, watch the opening sequence. All right, cool. I will think about doing that. Uh, let's see, back to this episode though, what I was originally going to go is not nearly as exciting as, as what we just sort of talked through, I don't think, but we learned that the Lila's, um, reanimation project is called Project Votus, which, so it has a name, so that's exciting. Why not? Why not? Exactly. And Jadis, her whole thing, as you said off the top, was that she sort of she knew, she knew the answer at the, at the beginning, but she went through this whole investigation anyways. On one hand, it reaffirmed uh, her belief in Huck, but it also ended up in her ulterior motive, which was to get Lila out of there and install Leo as in charge of Project Votus. So she's taken, right. she's taken Lila out and put Leo in. 
And this brings me all the way back to last week or the week before, something we didn't talk about. And it was the scene where Lila takes Leo, Dr. Bennett, out onto that bench and explains her whole family to him and what happened to them. Do you remember that? Uh, vaguely. All right. So she talks about early in the apocalypse, you know, her husband and daughter turned and she kept them around in the house and she was trying to fix them. She did all this science on them to try and fix them, but couldn't and basically was ultimately left alone. Um, and she lost her whole family. And the reason Jadis now has wanted her out and Dr. Bennett in is because Bennett has a family who she can manipulate to keep him working. She, oh, yeah. she, she refers to the daughters as two pressure points that she can, you know, press to get him to do what she wants. So it all kind of came together. And I thought that was really well done because the scene with Lila about her family from the last episode, um, I didn't really see the point of it at the time. Yeah, sure. It's backstory for the character and it makes you, think about her a little bit more and maybe care about her a bit more, but it felt weirdly out of place. But now it makes sense when you see this. She was the family-less one, so she isn't as easy to manipulate by pushing the right buttons. Yeah, but taking somebody who has this amount of skill and experience and knowledge and then killing them, it kind of surprised me. I'm like, aren't you setting the project back? Oh, quite a ways. Like you're really relying on him for, uh, for this project that she's been working on for a long time. I think you're only, right within her wheelhouse. Yeah. But I think you're only setting it back if you don't have the replacement waiting in the wings. And this is what Jadis had. She had this other brilliant scientist who not only has a family she can manipulate, but who has a family who, you know, Hope apparently is a brilliant scientist as well. So she replaced one who she couldn't control or who was asking the wrong questions with two, possibly three, because Iris seems pretty smart too, um, doing the same thing and, and a group that she can uh, control or manipulate a little bit more. So I think it's all sort of evil genius on the part of Jadis here. Sort of, except the only... Uh, I, I agree that uh, she might be doing that, but she has to recognize that there's a difference between control and power, right? Oh, and yeah. I've said this before, power is the ability to do work. Control is the ability to limit it. And if by having control over these people, all she can do is limit the amount of work that they can do. She can't get them to get them motivated other than through fear and uh, anger and manipulation. And that's not, you know, long-term, that's not a great way to get people to do things. No, I mean, I know. It works short-term, but then, you know, you're back into Stalin territory where you're, uh, everybody's, uh, you know, when, uh, when all, the only tool you have is a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. Yeah, you're right. So it's, uh, but, you know, sure, it'll work, but it's not the best way to get people to be motivated, you know, uh, sitting them down and saying, hey, this is, you know, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. I think this is a worthwhile cause. Will you help us out? You know, yeah. you step up and uh, do the right thing here and uh, help us to make the world a better place. Sure. Yeah. I'll step up and do that. We'll, I'll give you everything you need. I will absolutely give you everything you need in order to help you succeed in what, uh, what we want to do here as a common goal. Right. Such a better tactic. Yeah, for sure. I got two, two 
uh, of his daughters that I can uh, I can put a gun to their head and say program faster. Oh, sorry, was I thinking about a different movie? You know, programmers <laughs> they program faster when you have a gun to their head. Wait, right? you're not you're not thinking about your your real life, are you? Because that would not be good. No, I was thinking about uh, <laughs> I think it was Black Hat, uh, or uh, there was also something with uh, Hugh Jackman in it, uh, and. Uh, anyway, there's there's movies out there where uh, you know programmers. If you need somebody to program something fast, you put a gun to their head. Yeah, of course. That always motivates people to do their best work. Well, doesn't listen, distract them at all. Listen, maybe uh, you're absolutely right, and maybe in the short term it'll work, but maybe that kind of thing will be part of what plays into Jadis's downfall here because. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but that sort of thing might work against her eventually. And the other thing is, of course, Huck. Huck is the the snake in the mailbox here. Yep. Is that a good is that a good use of that? It works. Well, it's it's sort of the uh, the, uh, the 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 surprise ending. Right. But, right. but she's she's the unknown. She's the wild card. She is the point. wild she's, card. She's the she's the hand solo. Yeah. There you go. So all of these things, you know, will will come together and and uh, possibly work against Jadis. But what she tried to do worked out, and she put the people in that she wanted in because she thinks she can control them. Yeah, so she was uh, successfully able to manipulate things to her own satisfaction. Exactly. But now, to, back to your point about, you know, maybe telling them that they're saving the world might be a better tactic. I mean, Jadis calls the, you know, everything the CRM is doing, the military is doing a tactical military operation. And in her words, she says, it will secure our future for centuries to come. Not yeah, years. They're, make, they're making a galactic empire. Not yeah, years. Like everyone would say, yeah, we're going to be safe for years to come after this. She says centuries. Like that's, those are lofty goals. Uh, yeah. And, you know, didn't Hitler say the same thing that they were going to have a Reich that lasted a thousand years? Uh, was his his fucking plan. Well, I don't know, but if he did, that <laughs> feels awfully similar to what Jadis is spewing here. It, it's a dumb thing. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, you know that hubris <laughs> uh, hasn't worked out well for people in the past. Uh, you know, good point. Very good point. We built the Titanic. Fucking not even God could sink that thing. <laughs> like I'll show you. Long. Give you a, a fire and a. An iceberg? Oh, there's a theory around it that, that there was a one of the coal bunkers on the Titanic was on fire the entire time since before they left port. They left port while it was actually burning. Well, it was burning. Yeah, like we'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be good. You know how <laughs> coal fires go out on their own. Oh well, yeah, of course. <laughs> so that was part of the problem. Anyway, yeah. look it up. It's interesting. That's good stuff. Um. So there. I mean, what else? There. There we have it. Like that's kind of we didn't talk about Silas at all, but. He was just picked up and interrogated, and she talked about his feet a lot, which was a little weird. It was a very weird feet conversation. It, it, it was, was like, "Are you calling? You saying he has hobbit feet? Like, what were you saying there? Because uh, if he had hobbit feet, that'd be okay. Because then you don't need shoes at all. Because hobbits don't wear shoes. No, they don't wear shoes. Uh, but he wanted his boots back really bad. What I did like about the Silas stuff, though, is Dennis comes to pick him up, and Dennis knows. Jadis, of course, and they have a little interaction. And I'm really starting to like this Dennis character. I like how kind of low key he is, but also um, he's just played really well by this actor, a guy I've never heard of. His real name is Maximilian Oshinsky. 
I think is how you say it. That's a wonderful name. See, that's that's how you name somebody. There you go, Max Oshinsky. That's great. It's oh, uh, Maximilian. Yeah, Maximilian. Um, he's this guy with a troubled past, which we know, right? You know, Huck explained it to us a couple episodes ago. Um, but now he's just kind of trying to do his job in this reclamation center, I think they call it. And I like the way he treats Silas. Like he was there to get Silas. He he believes in him. He has some faith in him. He says you might make a good soldier someday. Um, and calling center. It wasn't a reclamation center. Oh, it was a calling center. Calling. It's where they call the herds. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. That makes more Sorry. sense. Um, but I just like, I like the way he's playing them. And we don't really, like he's not, an, he doesn't seem to be an asshole. You know, he's not Silas's asshole boss. He is his perfectly reasonable friendly enough or and just enough of a jerk boss right and it's there's a good balance there sometimes bosses are not assholes and it's infuriating (laughs) i know what's wrong with these people why can't they just (laughs) be a-holes all the time if they were just a-holes then you know i could uh i could justify the way i work (laughs) but if they're just nice about it it's like jesus you know hard to it's hard to be, it's hard to do things half-assed all the time. You know, people might listen to this, right? <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> of course, I know. <laughs> um, anyways, I, I enjoy the Dennis character. I'm curious to find out how he plays into it. I mean, Huck at the end goes to see him, right? And so she kind of, she tells him what's going on and I guess brings him into the fold. And the whole final sequence, or what was almost the final sequence, was... Um, Huck talking to Dennis, telling him what's going on, but also the Bennett family sitting together talking about what's going on and learning some stuff from Percy and and so on. Uh, and this is where it's revealed at the very end that they're going to wipe out Portland and they're going to use the gas to do it. And they have to, they decide they have to stop this somehow. So um, I thought it was fun cutting between the two the two scenes and I, and, and I enjoyed yep. it. So there you go. Um, yeah. So lots going on in this episode and so much information and I enjoyed it all. And I think the show is, you know, finding its, finding its feet a little bit here towards the end. Took a few it's to Hobbit get here. Feet. It's finding its Hobbit feet. Yeah. And standing firm on them. Uh, and you know, if this is episode seven, we only got three more, feels like there's a lot to resolve, but that's okay. Maybe not all of it will be resolved because a good chunk of it is going to be in the Rick Grimes movies, right? Yep. That's there true. you go. All right. I have a call here to end things out. We started with a, a longer call and I'm going to end things out with a almost three minute call here from Lisa. And, uh, let's take a listen to this. Hi, Jason and Chris. It's Lisa from Queensland, Australia. I just wanted to just, this won't, well, I hope it's quick, but probably won't be knowing me. Um, But I just wanted to thank you so much for your reviews of um, The Walking Dead World Beyond. I'd stopped watching that. I watched it for the first season and just thought it was a um, heap of rubbish. But um, I just wanted, you know, obviously, um, because I love your guys, um, you guys, um, your podcast, I, I wanted to continue to listen and and just listening to your review of, I think it was um, season two, episode five, um, and the very end of when they introduced 
um, Jadis. Um, thank you so much for critiquing that so, um, you know, so unbiasedly and so um, fairly because um, I absolutely hated Jadis. Absolutely hated her on the The Walking Dead, the the original, and I really, honestly, couldn't stand her. Couldn't even look at her with a haircut and all the rest of it. But listening to you guys, and um, you know, you kind of piqued my interest, and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to watch this second series of The Walking Dead, The World Beyond, and um, it's. The first few episodes, I, you know, don't care for, but, um, but when they introduced Jadis, it was so exciting, and she is, oh, they've given her something to do, and she's amazing, like she is absolutely amazing, and you said that, or you said something along those lines, and um, I'm so grateful that you did because otherwise, you know, I wouldn't, have, I just wouldn't have bothered, I wouldn't have wouldn't have cared less because I just did not like the way they they did that character in the um, original season, uh, the original original um, Walking Dead. But um, I and and so now I'm addicted and I have to watch the world beyond. And um, I can only thank you guys for that. And uh, yeah, thank you for for being you know voices in the dark because I listen to you while, while I'm trying to go to sleep and um, yeah it's amazing and, and I can't wait to see the rest of it so thank you guys and um, yeah take care bye all right thank you so much Lisa now I didn't play that Jason just because she said so many nice things about us but of course not. I mean, it kind of helps, but uh, I played it because she said nice things about Jadis and Pollyanna McIntosh, who plays her. And I totally agree. She's been great. I am more into this character, which arguably is kind of a different character than when she was on Walking Dead, right? But yeah. I'm more into her now than I was before. And uh, I think Pollyanna is doing a great job. So really good stuff. And also I must admit, Jason, it's rare to hear from a listener and have them say, I stopped watching it, continued listening to you guys. And then you convinced me to start watching again. Like we often get the, you know, I stopped watching, but continuing, continue to listen to you guys. Cause you know, you're fun and then it's good stuff like that, but nobody ever starts up again. But yeah, it looks like for Lisa, we convinced her to based on uh, the introduction of Jadis into this show. Awesome. No, so, that's really uh, heartwarming to hear. Very, very cool. Yeah. And the other thing I decided is that I went to Pollyanna McIntosh's IMDb profile and started looking through what else she has done. And I've decided that during the break, once these shows wrap up for the holidays and, you know, maybe we won't do this until the new year, but we'll see. Um, I want to do a double header review of two movies that Pollyanna was in. The first one called The Woman. This is a movie that I've not seen, but I have seen around. Like, I, I know the okay. poster for it. It's rather uh, shocking, the poster, I think. And then apparently there was a sequel made to The Woman called Darlin. And I think we should watch both of those back to back and talk about them as sort of a mini 
actor spotlight on uh, Pollyanna sure. McIntosh. Yeah, I think that'll yeah. I think that'll be fun. And in fact, she directed the second one, the sequel. Wow. Um, yeah. So uh, multi-talented person that Pollyanna McIntosh, and I think that would be fun. So we'll do that. You know, probably save it for January to be honest. Uh, by the time this stuff wraps up, and then we get through the holidays, but I think that'll be awesome. I believe it's pronounced January. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. It's when my birthday is, so um, I have, have I been saying it wrong my whole life? Yeah, probably. You got to pronounce it January. January. Okay. Yeah, that's I'll, right. I'll, I'll get it right one of these years. Okay, good. Good job. When I turn 47 next year. Oh, my God. Uh, all right. So thank you, everyone who called and uh, wrote this week. It was nice to get a couple of other voices on the air. And Mm -hmm. uh, I had a really good time here tonight, Jason. I didn't think I was going to have fun talking about Fear the Walking Dead because I didn't like it very much. Uh, But then it ended up being a fun conversation. And talking about World Beyond getting uh, really good all of a sudden was fun too. So uh, yeah, thanks, man. I, well, no problem. I always feel uh, I feel better when the podcasts are over because when they start, I'm like, oh god, I gotta talk to Chris again. <laughs> I know, guy. It's... Uh, but uh, usually by the end, I, I feel good that uh, I've gotten it over with. <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs> Is that one of those like double sided reverse compliments or reverse insults yeah. or something? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those uh, one of those things. Like uh, when uh, it's it's really a lot of fun. When uh, women talk to each other, like uh, I was, I'm thinking specifically of a 30 Rock. I think it was the fir- first 30 Rock episode where Sri, remember Sri? Uh-huh. Uh, she goes to Tina Fey and she says, Oh, I really like your blouse. My mom has one just like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a compliment, but not really. But is it? Yeah. <laughs> but is it? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, good stuff. Uh, that is going to do it for this week on the show. I do want to mention that if you are interested in helping us out to put on this podcast or, or supporting us in any way, you can do that in a number of ways. One of which, of course, is become a patron on a Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash the talking dead. Uh, I'll remind everyone again, when the Walking Dead main show resumes in February, we will continue giving away stuff for every episode of that show, I've got a bunch of Walking Dead stuff that I'm clearing out and we're just randomly choosing patrons from our list of patrons and uh, sending it out. So get in on that and, you know, decent odds considering uh, we don't have like thousands of patrons or anything like that. So go yep. to patreon.com slash the talking dead and become a patron if you can. Um, you could also, you know, just leave us a review leave us a rating on itunes it costs nothing it really is valuable it helps a lot um there are other podcasting platforms you know as well but apple podcasts is is really the one where a lot of that sort of gets ranked and stuff like that so perfectly acceptable way to do that too and we appreciate that just as much so um thanks to everyone who does that and everyone who's a patron as well super Super. All righty. So we'll be back again, of course, next week when we're talking about the next two episodes of these shows as we inch closer to the big double finale night. That'll be fun. And of course, the same night that they uh, introduce and give us some more information about the uh, the Rick Grimes movies coming up. Right, Jason? Good times. Good times. 
Um, but in the meantime, this week, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead, or you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us a message, a voice recording, either do it on your phone and email it to us, or hit up the website, talkingdeadpodcast.com, and click on send voicemail at the top, and you can record that and fire it right to us. So all of the ways to do that are there. Okay, uh, that's going to do it, everyone. Thank you so much. Until next week, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.